Welcome to Dime Library, where this week we commence the story, The League of Three, or Buffalo Bill's Pledge, a story of a trail followed to the bitter end by three famous scouts, Buffalo Bill, Wild Bill, and Texas Jack, the Princes of the Plains, by Colonel Prentice Ingraham, author of Wild Bill the Pistol Deadshot, Merle the Mutineer, Gold, Plume the Boy Bandit, Bison Bill, Prince of the Reigns, Crimson Kate, Lone Star, the Cowboy, Captain, etc. Chapter 6 The Trader Guide Buffalo Bill! The voices of the Teamsters uttered the word in chorus, for the name, spoken by Kiowa Carl, had told who was the stranger, and all knew him well by reputation, though not one of the train had ever seen him before, excepting the Trader Guide. Kiowa Carl was a man of consummate nerve and he regained his coolness at once almost, and said in as free and easy way as that in which Buffalo Bill had addressed him, Yes, and it is not the first time you have had the drop on me, Cody. And I warn you to beware of a third, was Buffalo Bill's response. Yes, for the tide must turn, but what means this attack on me now? It means that I have caught you at your old tricks of deviltry and thwarted you. To what do you refer? You were leading this train into an ambush, at the head of which, doubtless, was your old red-skinned friend, Blackface. The guide turned deadly pale at this bold accusation, but no muscle of his face quivered as he said savagely, You have no proof of this, Buffalo Bill. By the Rocky Mountains, but I will have, and before the sun shall rise. Up with your hand, sir. The last was given in a tone that was decided. The guide hesitated, and Buffalo Bill repeated, up with your hands, Kiowa Carl. You have no right to take me prisoner. I assert that right. Sir, will you obey? No, and I call my employer and his men to aid me against you, Carl cried, sliding from his horse and confronting the scout. They will do nothing, and if you love life, worthless as yours is, I shall tell you but once more to throw up those blood-stained hands of yours. Obey, or take the consequence." The revolver was held as firmly as though in a vice, and all saw that Buffalo Bill meant all he said. Wholly at Buffalo Bill's mercy, Kiowa Carl, with a bitter execration, raised his hands above his head. Stepping forward, it was but the work of an instant for Buffalo Bill to disarm him, and then, taking the lariat from the saddle horn, he ordered the guide to remount his horse, which Kiowa Carl did with a smothered curse. Once again in the saddle, Buffalo Bill bound him securely, hand and foot, tying his feet beneath his horse. Now you are safe for the present, and if my suspicions are verified this night, with the permission of this gentleman, I will shoot you as I would a mad dog. Then, turning to Mr. Markham, Buffalo Bill continued, I would advise you, sir, to at once follow your tracks back to the regular trail, pressing on until you reach your camp of last night, even if darkness overtakes you. But we will have no guide, sir, and if this man does not lead you back to that camp, then I will kill him, so help me heaven." Do you hear me, Kiowa Carl? I do. See to it, then, that this train goes not again off the trail, if you value life. And where do you go? asked Kiowa Carl. That is my business, but rest assured I will be on hand to execute sentence against you if you play any of your tricks. You will return soon, sir, I hope, for your words imply that you intend leaving us, said Mr. Markham. Yes, sir, by daylight, or soon after, I will be back. Yet, should I not, press on once more and I will join you at your next camping place. Raising his broad sombrero, with a smile and bow, he called to his horse, and throwing himself into the saddle, dashed away across the prairie, while Mr. Markham, trusting implicitly in the man, 
put his train to right about and began retracing his trail down the loop. Chapter 7. A Strange Metamorphosis Buffalo Bill had ridden but a short distance from the train when he came to a sudden halt, and there sat in his saddle like a man in deep thought. After a minute's halt, he turned his horse and galloped back toward the train. Surprised at his return, Mr. Markham halted the train, and when he came up, and he asked, "'Well, sir, have you changed your mind about going on?' "'No, sir, but I would like to have you move the train on, accepting one wagon and your trader guide.' Mr. Markham seemed surprised, but gave the orders at once for the rear wagon to stop back for a while, and he and Kiowa Carl, whose bridle rein was hitched to the back of the wagon, also did so. "'What does that strange man intend now?' murmured Madge as she rode on, riding by the side of the ambulance in which sat Miss Samantha Doolittle, the old maid housekeeper, who was in ecstasies over the physique and handsome face of Buffalo Bill. Kiowa Carl, I will trouble you to change horses with me, said Buffalo Bill quietly. The guide looked at him with surprise and said in a surly tone, Why ask what you have the power to do without asking? Also, I will change clothes with you and borrow your arms, for I know you are a man to keep only the best of weapons. In Satan's name, do you intend to rob me? No, Kiowa Carl, for I leave mine in the train. Quick, off with your duds, or I will help you. I will not. Do you mean it? I do, for I shall not aid you in any devilish trick you may have formed to ruin me. I will take them off of you. You cannot. There was a tone of defiance in the voice of the man in spite of his bonds, and Buffalo Bill answered, Mr. Markham, I hate to hit a man when he's down, but I must do it. Again, Kiowa Carl, will you exchange clothing with me? You have my answer. Quick as a flash, the iron arm of Buffalo Bill shot forth, straight from the shoulder, and the knuckles of steel fell full into the unprotected face of the prisoner. Like a log, he dropped to the ground, and instantly Buffalo Bill bent over him, and after undoing the lariat coils, quickly disrobed him of his outer clothing and hat. I hope you have not killed him, for he fell like a dead man, said Mr. Markham, who could not understand the strange conduct of Buffalo Bill. No fear of that, sir. I struck him to save a struggle, for I saw that he would not yield, and I merely stunned him. But what is your intention, sir? You shall see. Throwing off his own outer clothing, Buffalo Bill said to the teamster, Here, pard, put these on him. I'm durned if I dress him up in your rig, Buffalo Bill, for he don't deserve it. But if I have some old togs in the wagon, as will do as well, and they'll astonish him, for they belong to an honest citizen, which is myself replied the teamster, and he dragged out a pair of coarse pants, a slouch hat full of holes, and a woolen shirt, and began to pull them upon the still unconscious man, while Buffalo Bill was rigging himself out in the clothing of the guide. There, now he do look well, and you must take care, Buffalo Bill. You don't let the devilment and them colors strike for, for it's the disease that they are catching. Buffalo Bill and Mr. Markham laughed at the advice of the worthy teamster, and the latter said, I do not know, sir, what your intention is, but I shall take care of your clothing and arms for you until you come to claim them. Buffalo Bill made no reply, but stepping to his saddle pocket drew forth what appeared to be a bundle of hair. But upon unrolling it, it proved to be a long false beard of almost the exact hue of that of Kiowa Carl. Oh, curse you! The oath came from the guide who had suddenly returned to consciousness and readily understood what his enemy intended. Ha <laughs> ha! Kiowa Carl, I can play you pretty well, can I? And Buffalo Bill rumpled up his hair, put on the false beard, pulled the slouch hat over his eyes, and did look the very counterpart of the traitor guide. Taking the weapons and the horse of Kiowa Carl, and leaving his own in the care of Mr. Markham, he rode away once more, 
and so much resembled the traitor Guy that the rest of those in the train, seeing him depart, believed that for some reason Buffalo Bill had returned and set the prisoner free. After watching him for some moments, in the company of the teamster and the prisoner himself, Mr. Markham rode to the front of the train, and all were surprised. Change which had taken place, and which Seedy Sam, the wagon driver, explained in his quaint way to his pards, while Madge heard from her father's lips what had occurred. Chapter 8 Buffalo Bill's Ruse The sun was casting long shadows across the prairie of the daring rider and his horse as they moved on up the loop. It was very evident that, in changing his clothing for that of Kiowa Carl, Buffalo Bill intended some bold ruse, and his words as he rode along, spoken half aloud, showed what his intention was. I'm confident, he muttered, that old Blackface lies concealed in the timber yonder with a score or two of braves, and that Kiowa Carl was leading the train into the ambush and was to share the spoils with the Redskins. Great heavens, what a fate would have that beautiful girl have suffered. I shudder to think of it, and if I'm right, Kiowa Carl will do no more harm in this world once I lay my clutch upon him again. Now, I see if I'm right before the sun has set half an hour, and if my rig will bear mutter with the old black face. He then rode quietly on, the timber ahead, rising before him dark and threatening, and his keen eyes searched his steps for some sign of a foe. As the sun touched the distant prairie horizon, he was within a mile of the timber, which jutted out from the river to a considerable distance, and formed a secure hiding place for a thousand savage foes within the shadow of its large trees and thickets. After long and untiring peering into the timber, Buffalo Bill was rewarded by discovering a moving form. Engine. The world escaped his lips like an exclamation, and peering still more closely, he continued, As I thought, Kiowa Carl meant deviltry. Ah, and there come several of the red rascals to meet me, or rather to meet him, as they believe, or I am not mistaken. Now, Buffalo Bill, you're placing your head in the lion's mouth, and look out, for it may be snapped off. With a light laugh, as though he relished and defied the great danger he was running, Buffalo Bill arranged his toilet once more to his taste, as he deemed it necessary, looked to his arms, and rode quietly along toward the timber. Five horsemen had come out of the timber and were riding leisurely toward the scout, as though to meet him, and yet exhibiting toward him no hostile demonstrations. They were Indians in all their glory of war paint and feathers, and one rode slightly in advance of all the others. The devil himself as I live, said Buffalo Bill. Then after a moment he added, Old Blackface has noticed that the train has turned back, for he evidently had lookouts in the treetops, and he's coming to ask me, or rather Kiowa Carl as he thinks, the reason. Well, the train was too far off for him to see anything going on with suspicious nature. It was now growing dark, and when Buffalo Bill drew within a couple of hundred yards of the Indians, he was confirmed in his opinion that Kiowa Carl had turned traitor to his own race, and that Blackface was his ally in deviltry, for as yet no hostile sign was shown by the Redskins. Upon getting within a few lengths of the Indians, Buffalo Bill, imitating as nearly as possible, and was and he was a good mimic, the voice of Kiowa Carl, and he called out at random, Does the black face frown at this white brother that he brings not the train into the timber? The pale face spoke crooked to the black face to bring him here with his warriors. No. Yes, for his white brother came two sons ago and told the black face to be here. He came with his warriors and he saw the white chief coming over the prairies and far behind him the wheel teepees of his people. Then the black face saw and his warriors saw that Paleface turned back to the wheel teepees, and then they went toward the rising sun on the trail they had come, 
while my brother comes on alone. The blackface talks of what his eyes have seen, said Buffalo Bill, speaking in the Sioux tongue perfectly, but he knows not what his brother Kiowa Carl has to say. The blackface will listen, said the chief, evidently greatly disappointed at having seen the train turn back. Let the blackface have his ears open then. His braves in the treetops may have seen a pale-faced runner on horseback join the train. The braves of the blackface said so. Aha! I'll make this old wretch tell me all he knows, muttered Buffalo Bill, while aloud he said, That was a horse brave of the pale-faced chief, sent to order the wheel teepees back to the plant, as many white soldiers are on the track of the blackface. The Indian chief, in spite of his stoicism, started and glanced nervously at his warriors, while Buffalo Bill continued, The brother of the blackface heard all, and he told the chief of the wheel teepees which trail to take and where to camp, and sent word to the captain of the horse braves that he would go on and find the blackface and his warriors, and then come and tell them where to strike his village. The old chief fairly shouted with rage at this bold assertion, failing to see that there was a pretend motive, and Buffalo Bill cried, Let the blackface hear, for by telling the horse braves of the whites this crooked story, he could come on and meet his red brothers, let them know where and when to strike the wheel teepees, then go back and tell the pale-faced chief a false trail for his warriors to take, and lead them into an ambush, which my brother here can have ready. Ah, oh, said the blackface, now seeing through the supposed ruse of his pretended ally. Huh, oh, grunted the four warriors, delighted at the prospect of blood, booty, and scalps before them. The blackface is heard, said the chief, as though anxious to hear more, and not willing to show curiosity to do so. I guess you have, you old villain, and if I don't fill that ugly head of yours full of lies, it'll be because my tongue sticks to the truth too fast to pull it off, mentally observed Buffalo Bill. While aloud, he continued, The blackface knows the lone tree toward the setting sun. The blackface has been there, was the pompous reply. Two suns from this, the wheel teepees will camp there. Huh. Let the blackface creep upon the camp by night, leaving their ponies far out on the prairie, and his braves can do their work. Ah, uh, and the grunt was one of satisfaction most intense. His brother will be there, and when the braves of the blackface have many scalps on their belts, and their ponies are loaded with the booty of the pale faces, I will lead them on to the spot where the white warriors can meet in battle and be defeated. Ah, uh, my white brother is great chief. Let him come to my camp, said the delighted savage. No, for I must be off on the trail to seek the white chief. The white panther, the pale-faced brother of the chief, is in the camp and would see the Kiowa Carl. Buffalo Bill fairly started at the name, for he had long heard of the renegade white known as White Panther, whose crimes had forced him to seek refuge among the Redskins. He knew him to be a companion of Kiowa Carl, and did he meet him at once, his disguise would be penetrated, and death would quickly follow, and death of the most awful torture that Indian cruelty could devise. Remembering that Mr. Markham had told him Kiowa Carl had secretly met a white man on the prairie, he felt assured that White Panther, as the Indians called him, and Salt Lake Saul, as he was known in the settlements, must be that individual, who had gone on ahead while his pard became the guide of the train, for no other purpose than to get old Blackface as an ally. He knew he had to be most cautious not to betray ignorance, and asked, as a feeler, Why did not the White Panther come with my red brother, the Blackface, to meet me? The panther has ridden hard and was tired and asleep. Ah, but he must have eyes like the stars now, for I want him to guide the wheel teepees to the lone tree. The blackface will tell him. It is well, and I will start on the back trail. Let the panther have a swift pony and follow. 
It shall be as my white brother says, replied the old chief, and bidding the Redskins farewell, Buffalo Bill started upon his return, greatly rejoicing in his discovery and the accomplishment of his ruse. He had gone but a short distance when he called back to Blackface to bid the White Panther to hurry on after him, and there came back the answer, The Panther shall have my swiftest pony, and will soon be with my white brother. I will be a sad moment for him when he is, or if I am mistaken, muttered Buffalo Bill, as he rode on his way, plotting mischief against the man whose head a reward was offered on as a renegade and red-handed murderer. Chapter 9 Entrapping a Panther The individual known as White Panther was sleeping as serenely beneath a shelter of trees. When Blackface returned to the timber, as though the blood of scores of whites whom he had murdered did not rest upon his guilty soul, he had ridden hard that day, and in fact for several days he had had little rest, so he was glad to sink to repose and security and dream of the booty he was to be a sharer in when the Markham train was at the mercy of the red demons who were his allies. He was surprised when Blackface awoke him and made known that he had seen Kiowa Carl coming, and he had met him out upon the prairie and told him of the train going to the right about. "'Durn them soggers,' he said savagely. "'They is always poking around where they ain't wanted.' But then, as it are, it are better, Chief. For if we tackled them their train, the Sagas would have known we'd been too hot on their trail to save the booty. And we have got, well, we would have got scalped, which you engines prize more than whites, unless we has a little revenge on their biz. All of this was spoken in border English, which Blackface imperfectly understood and could make no more appropriate reply to than Kiowa Carl was a great chief, had done the Indians many good turns, and knew what was best and wished the White Panther to follow him at once, and to go as a guide for the wheel teepees. Darnation, more riding than my horse has already played! The Panther shall have the pony of the Blackface, was the response of the chief, who knew that though his pony was a good animal, that of the renegade was a better one, though then tired out, and that in the end he would gain by his generosity. I'll make the swap, chief, for I has my eye on a horse I seen on that train for it pulled out of Omaha. Get up on your pony, I'll strike on Kiwa Carl's trail. The pony soon had a saddle and trappings of the renegade upon him, and mounting, the villain set off at a swinging lope, which threatened to soon overtake Buffalo Bill did he not increase the pace at which he had ridden away. An hour's gallop, and he saw in the distance the dark form of a horse and rider, and instantly he gave a shrill whistle. Ho, Saul, that you? cried a voice, and the renegade replied, Yeah, and I have a lovely gallop to overtake you. Are you riding for a prize, Kiowa? Yes, I am. Well, what's there at stake? And the renegade drew rein as his pony got head and head with the gaunt black ridden by Buffalo Bill. The stakes is White Panther, alias Salt Lake Saul, as you see. The answer fell like a thunderclap from the cloudless sky upon the startled renegade while he felt a revolver muzzle pressed hard against his heart. Salt Lake Saul was a quick man with revolver and knife, and a hard one to surprise, as many found out to their own cost. But he had been caught for once, and by one he deemed his devoted pard. There must be some mistake, and he half laughed forth. What in the thunder do you mean, Kiowa? Just what I say, was the stern rejoinder. And what did you say? That the stake I am now playing for is Salt Lake Saul, the renegade, and I have won it. Darnation, what do you think this is, a place to joke, pard? Move one finger and you'll find this is no joke, but deadly earnest. What if I did to turn you against this way, Kiowa? I'm not Kiowa. Holy Rockies, and I am cocheted. 
Yes, the panther is entrapped, as is his hold. Keep those hands away from your pistol, or I will pull my trigger, and it's but an inch to your heart from my pistol muzzle. Darn if that ain't right. But who in thunder are you be that looks like Kiowa, and you ain't got his voice now that I observes? Have you ever heard of Buffalo Bill? Biting snakes of Ireland. Is that you in there? Almost howled the renegade. Yes, I am Buffalo Bill. Then the dance is done, and the fiddler's to pay, and it was an almost resigned response. Yes, and death's the fiddler. I don't doubt it, parred Buffler, but I soon have a harp of those thousand strings to sing psalms of glory on, or a poker to stir up the fire below. Don't speak of it, for it makes me shiver to think how lost and hot it is down there, and, quicker than a flash of lightning, he had suddenly dropped his hands upon a revolver butt, and it was halfway out of his belt when Buffalo Bill clutched it and cried sternly, Hold on, sir, for I am your master. You take my hand, pard, and I'll pass, said the disappointed renegade, and at an order to raise his hands above his head, he silently obeyed, while Buffalo Bill disarmed him. Now your claws are cut, and we'll get along better together, and I want to be sociable, as I have some questions to ask you. Shout out fast, just how you look so much like Kiowa Carl, as to take me in, and that blackface, too. Oh, that's simply a little ruse I played to find out what I wanted to know. And you did? Yes. Well, I hope it'll do you no good. But it will, for I see you hang along with Kiowa Carl. Have you got him, too? I have. So I see. And that looks like you're harsh or straddling. Well, well. We both took in, and old Blackface made a darn full of, too. You seem to feel better over the news. I does, for misery loves company, and I'm miserable to a howling degree that's kind of painful. You'll soon be out of your misery. I'd rather be miserable, understanding your meaning as I does. But tell me, Buffler, what have you got Kiowa? Safe. Am I going there, too? Yes. Use a liar. The right hand, which had slipped into some mysterious pocket and quietly grabbed a small repeater, was suddenly thrust forward, right into the face of Buffalo Bill, and as the fingers touched the trigger, the flash and report came together. But quick as was the act, Buffalo Bill succeeded in striking up the arm of the renegade, and the bullet tore along the top of his head, inflicting a scalp wound only. Though slightly stunned by the shock and momentarily blinded, Buffalo Bill drew trigger ere a second shot came to the renegade, and the wail of agony and hatred that broke from his lips told him that the bullet had hit hard. Chapter 10. The Camp I will now return to the train, after the departure of Buffalo Bill, upon his perilous mission, in which the reader has seen he accomplished in safety. Riding by the side of Madge, he left the prisoner, black with rage, under the special care of Seedy Sam, who was delighted at the honor, and warned Keoa Carl that he would kill him without the slightest compunction if he gave him the shadow of a cause. I'd sure hate to have to make a hole in them garments of mine, but I stand there at the expense of a bullet hole if you give me the slightest cause to draw on you, said Seedy Sam, like others who has anything, believing his clothing which he had loaned to the prisoner quite too good for him, although a more tattered demalion suit would be hard to find out of a junk shop. In fact, the Teamster's dilapidated appearance generally had gained for him his name of Seedy Sam. And to think, said Madge, when her father had joined her and told her of Buffalo Bill's having assumed the rig of Kiowa Carl, that he will dare venture into the camp of the savages, pretending to be their guide. Yes, my daughter, 
From all I have heard of that famous man, I know that he will hesitate at no risk to carry out his ends. How different he is from what I had pictured him when reading romances of his strange deeds upon the border. He seemed to me as those pen-painted a giant, ferocious being, whose hands and clothing must be covered in the blood of his foes. But we find him an elegant gentleman, courtly as a Chesterfield, and as handsome as a picture. He is indeed a remarkable man, Madge, and I sincerely hope he will come safely through all of this danger. He certainly is a very noble man to set aside his duties, which must be urgent to get us out of the scrape into which that traitor guide has led us. Oh, father, what if Buffalo Bill had not come on after us? And Madge shuddered, while Mr. Markham answered, The thought of what would have followed Madge is terrible to contemplate. And thus father and daughter talked on until at last the camping ground was reached, and the tent was spread which was especially for the use of Madge and Miss Samantha Doolittle. At getting things to rights, preparing supper, and making himself generally useful, Pepper, the youth, was invaluable, and won pronounced praise from Miss Samantha. Madge, she said, I do be thinking that our providence must be most kind to that boy, to bring him under the shelter of our guardian wings. Or to us, Auntie. Madge always called Miss Doolittle Auntie, although that lady had begged her to make it cousin. For Prepper certainly has proven himself most useful in everything, and is really womanly in all he does for us. True, Madge, true. He almost seems to me like a woman at times. But do you know that you are sadly remiss today? How so, Auntie? In your duty. What sin did I commit, and what duty omit, pray? You did not introduce me to that very elegant gentleman, Mr. Buffalo Bill. Why, Auntie, I had hardly met him for myself, and I knew not that who he was until Kiowa Carl spoke his name. Well, Madge... I don't know as I should, and I don't know but what I would have spoken to him without an introduction under the circumstances, for I owed him our thanks for all he did. He did not seem to like the thanks, Auntie. True nobility, my dear, the truest kind, avoids recognition for brave deeds done. If I were him, I don't know as I should, and I don't know but what should I do in the name in the same way, but... Here's Pepper to announce supper, said Madge, glad to cut off the beginning of a few comments, which Miss Doolittle always made lengthy when she began with, but. The youth, known as Pepper, was a slender, gracefully formed young man, almost a boy in years, but he seemed hardly twenty, and his face was one that few could gaze upon and fail to see that in it there was much to admire and like. He was dressed in a free and easy costume, wore beneath his sack coat a belt of arms, and his hands and feet were very small and shapely. His hair, contrary to the border custom, was cut short, and his slouch hat had the rim pulled down all around. Miss Madge, supper served, and Aunt Phyllis has made some of Miss Samantha's hoe-cakes, he said in a boyish voice, and with a mischievous twinkle of his eye. "'Oh, Pepper, why do you call me Miss Samantha, and never pronounce the last syllable?' cried the old maid." "'It's too much for me to tackle, miss, as I have a shortness of breath,' replied the youth, and he led the way to the fire, where Mr. Markham had already seated at the table, upon which Aunt Phyllis, the negro woman, was placing a tempting meal. Mr. Markham and the ladies then sat down to supper, while Pepper busied himself in aiding Coon to get things right for the night. But there was one missing from the table, who each meal had sat with them, and that one was the guide.' In the goodness of her heart, Madge herself arranged a tray for his supper and carried it to him, to where he could set it upon the trunk of a tree securely bound. "'I've come with your supper, sir,' she said quietly. His head was bent, and at her words he started, looked up, and the firelight showed that his face flushed, where he said in his quiet way, "'You are very kind, Miss Markham, 
but one doomed to die cares little for food.